My name is Ed Akira, and I'm the producer of the short film documentary, a film called Blacks Can Swim. The aim of the film is to understand why a disproportionate amount of black people and ethnic minorities can't and don't swim. On my journey to find the truth, I have the pleasure of speaking with a Jamaican former competitive swimmer. She won three silver medals in the 1999 Pan American Games. She won two bronze medals in the 2002 Commonwealth Games. She represented Jamaica in the 2000 and the 2004 Summer Olympics. And she was named Jamaican Swimmer of the Year for seven consecutive years. Janelle Atkinson, welcome to The Deep End with Edda Kira, and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, you won three silver medals in 1999 Pan American Games and two bronze medals in 2002, amongst others. What was it like to win those medals and was your achievements acknowledged for both those events as well as the positive outcome to everything you have done in your career? I, you know, at the time, I mean, I was very young and it was one of those things that was, you know, extremely, I was extremely proud to have achieved, um, you know, not just for myself, but also, you know, for my country, you know, and just as you said before, you know, with like, you know, the whole stereotype of black can't swim, you know, in the Caribbean, it's a very true statement as well. And in Jamaica, obviously, the big sports are track and field, cricket, um, you know, football. So to have another sport that could potentially be on that level was something that was very just kind of like eye-opening for a lot of people, you know, even myself included. Um, you know, it's a very humbling experience and something that I'm, you know, still super proud of to this day. Um, you know, it's not... It's not always been, I guess, kind of met with as much pride coming from other people. But, I mean, to me, I don't care. I did. I worked very hard to, for the things I accomplished, and I'm proud of them. And so are we. We're very proud of you. So, Thank you. <laughs> so, so how culturally diverse um, were the teams back then? And what challenges did you experience on your journey to the top? Yeah, it was definitely, um, it's not nearly as diverse as it is now, which is kind of crazy to say, um, you know, because it's still not much, not much diversity still. Um, but I mean, it's one of those where, because you're from, you know, the Caribbean, it's almost kind of like you're lesser than um, when it comes to a lot of the bigger, more well-known countries. Um, but there's good and bad that come to that. The good is that because they believe that you're lesser than, they don't see you as a threat and they kind of count you up beforehand, which almost kind of has another added level of pride that comes with it when, you know, at the end of the day, I was on the podium and most of them weren't. I assume there were challenges and there were times when, when <laughs> yeah, and I, and I assume there were times when things were not going according to plan. Did you ever consider quitting? And if, and if, and so what was the motivation that kept you going? Um, you know, it's one of those things where there are so many things I hated about, you know, competing. I felt like I missed out a lot out of, you know, having a normal life. You know, in 1999, I was 16 turning 17, you know, so still a kid, you know, but I'd already been living away from home for 
three years. So, you know, having, being able to grow up outside of everything that I know as home and be thrown into a totally different culture um, and then being able to, not even necessarily being able to, but having to compete against the best in the world when I lack a lot of that kind of self-confidence to know that I belong there, um, that was rough. Um, you know, it's easy to, I guess, kind of from look from the outside looking in, to like, oh, you know, she has it so easy, but it really wasn't. I didn't really didn't have much support coming from, you know, parents. Um, so a lot of it was more kind of, you know, I continued swimming only out of just kind of like to prove them wrong. You know what I mean? Um, you know, so it's a very, it was a very lonely time, but at the same time, I almost kind of like um, diverted all of that lonely feeling into just kind of throwing myself into sport and throwing myself into challenging my body to do different things that I didn't think was possible, but was kind of hoping maybe. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it worked out pretty well, huh? Yeah, and especially at that age. I mean, to think what you achieved um, without the support that you would have expected. I mean, that's amazing. So, um, oh, yeah, we really applaud you know your efforts in, <laughs> in doing that. Um, I, I personally spent most of my high my life um, hiding behind the stereotypes of blacks can't swim and the heavy bones and all the stigmas and the stereotypes that you can imagine. And it's only this year that I decide to learn how to swim. How often do you come across people in my situation? Oh, so many. And, you know, even in the Caribbean, the whole, you know, premise is that, oh, we can't swim, we can't swim. But, you know, it's very rare that, you know, someone like yourself actually takes saying they don't know how to swim and does something about it. And, you know, that's kind of one of the biggest things, you know, in the Caribbean where, you know, I'm a part of the uh, Diversity in Aquatics um, initiative where we're talking about, you know, um, Water Safety Day. And with that, we go to different schools, but we more target the children um, because that's kind of how we help to break the cycle. Um, you know, it's an interesting concept of looking at it from the adult perspective and trying to tackle them, but it's so much kind of harder because a lot of people are just kind of like, oh, I'm too old for that now, you know? it's like, well, this is kind of like a lifelong sport that, or lifelong activity that you can do that actually helps with, you know, so many different ailments and, you know, really has low stress on the body. Um, you know, but, you know, I have to commend you on that because, you know, it's definitely, it's not the easiest thing to pick up and learn, especially kind of breaking all those, not just the stereotypes, but even just kind of like your knowledge of what, you know, how dangerous water can be. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I know it and I understand it so, also well because I, I, a lot of my friends, a lot of my black friends can't swim. And yeah, and, and it, yeah, and it's like, it's up until now, it's like I, like I said, I hid behind the stereotypes and everything. If I was stuck in a situation with my daughter and she needed help and I, I, would, be, I would have been totally useless. And that scared me, and that really scared me, and that gave me the, gave me the push I needed to go out there and actually start learning how to swim. So I understand exactly what you're saying. No, absolutely. I mean, you said a great example, you know, for your daughter and, you know, even for other parents, you know, explaining in that terms of, okay, well, what if this happens? Like, you are you can't do anything. You're just going to stand there and do nothing. You know, as a parent, you can't. How do you, how do, you do that? Definitely, and that's, and that's exactly how I see it. Racism, 
it's what well, we all know racism is prevalent in sports and as we see oh, it, we sure do yeah and, and, and we see it in the media on a daily basis football and everything else um mm-hmm. did did you ever experience or witness any form of racism in your swimming career oh absolutely i've witnessed it in my swimming career and even more so actually now in my professional career you know it's even worse now because you know a lot of people see I guess kind of like my resume and the things I've accomplished and for some reason, you know, they kind of have this stigma that I don't deserve to have gotten those things. Wow. And it's like, well, I didn't get them. I worked for them. <laughs> and I worked very hard, you know, and sacrificed a lot of things to get to this point. And, you know, I was coaching for 12 years and, you know, that's kind of one of the biggest pushbacks of, you know, well, we're not you. I didn't say you were me. You know, but I want you to be able to have the same kind of, um, have that same kind of pride that I do. And that could come in any form. It doesn't have to mean that you're going to be an Olympian. It doesn't have to mean that you're representing your country. But it has to mean something that you're really proud of achieving and accomplishing because of all the sacrifices that you made. And, you know, it just isn't necessarily, I guess, kind of received as positively as, you know, it's intended. You know, which is tough. Um you know, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely alive and very much so well. <laughs> but did anyone, uh, a person or establishment ever try and hold you back? Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And then that's, that's kind of the hard part, too, because, you know, on some level, you know, growing up in Jamaica, it's really just about, you know, we're all people, you know, just be kind to your neighbor. And of course, being a Catholic also, that's the whole, you know, resounding message that you hear growing up. And then, you know, coming, you know, being an adult now, it's not the same, um, I guess, kind of morals and values that were back then. Um, You know, a lot of this is kind of, well, you know, I will only help you to this point, but I will constantly remind you that you're not here. Or instead of helping to, you know, someone like myself, you know, get to the next level, it's a lot of, well, you know, you're not ready yet or, you know, I don't know how to help you, even or even if you are asking for help and specifically asking for specific things. You know, it's it's one of those again where a lot of people don't feel that you you need to be there. You're overreaching. You know what I mean? Like it's never been like blatant, but it's definitely one of those that you take pause to. You're like, oh, oh, that's what that is. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> you know, but things like that. You know, just like with you know swimming you find other ways to motivate you. You know what I mean? You don't need a whole cheering section behind you to stay motivated. If you stay true to yourself and the things that you want, there's no one that can tell you that you can't do it. Great, good. That's, 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 that's a really good advice. Um, it's very good advice for the young ones coming up that we are trying to encourage to get into the sport. So, yeah, because I know they will, they, will, they will have obstacles as well. So knowing what to do... And- is a good yeah thing. they have different you know we had obstacles back then but the obstacles are almost kind of a little bit not as obvious anymore for them you know so it's just as hard and just as difficult yes they have people who have paved the way for them you know so it's a little bit easier but the hurdles have gotten a little bit trickier and harder to spot learning to swim can be very daunting um, okay. as you can imagine and, as, and especially being a coach you would know this 
Um, so people who didn't swim from an early age and who are shying away from the, from the whole ideology of learning how to swim at a later age, um, as a coach, I mean, how would you encourage them? I and mean, what would you say to, to someone who's, you know, who's got, how, how did they overcome their fear in order to um, reap the benefits of learning how to swim? And, you know, the hardest part with, I guess, kind of like learning to swim is really, it really stems from, you know, what is holding you back. You know, because at the end of the day, it's just like I said, if you really want to do something, you're going to get it done. But if you're almost kind of like halfway in, halfway out, and you're not that motivated to want to do it, it's never going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like doing laundry or chores. Yeah, you want to do them, but you don't really want to do them. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you find excuses to figure, okay, well, let me just do this first, and then I'll get to this. Let me get through this thing first, and then I'll get to it. And it just never ends up happening. Um, you know, if you're really serious and motivated to do it, you'll get it done. And sometimes you need that little push, but it's a delicate push that has to happen because if you push too hard, then, you know, they almost kind of like cover back in their shells and like, nope, never mind. I don't want to do it because you're going to, you're going to make it way too hard or way too serious. And I don't want it to be serious. You know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I get you. I definitely understand you. Um, some figures here. Black children drown at a rate of 5.5 times that of white children. So, which, which is shocking, which is a shocking figure. Yeah. How do, so, so how else can we encourage black and ethnic parents to take, it, take swimming more seriously and get their children involved at an early age? Well, I think there's like a delicate balance between swimming for the sport and swimming to be water safe. And that's kind of, you know, I guess kind of the hardest part because swimming to swim in the sport, you know, it's such a, it's a tough sport to get into just like every other sport, but because it's so individualized, um, you know, and everyone learns at a different rate. It's not like, you know, okay. in let's say for instance, like, you know, with soccer, they have to learn how to babies learn how to crawl first and learn how to walk then running. And then they add the little skills that are attached to it. Those are natural movements for them. With swimming, it's a lot different because it's not necessarily natural movement. Um, it's almost kind of opposite of everything that you've learned on, you know, land. Because you're basically you're um, horizontal in the water, whereas doing every other sport, you're vertical. So everything shifts, and it's one of those where if you're trying to sell the sport itself, it's a tougher sell because there isn't much of like a long-term I guess, kind of goal in the sport in terms of, you know, having a profession. You know what I mean? With soccer, you know, there's a team of people. So, you know, there are X amount of slots here. With swimming, you're either in or you're out, and there's no, you can't get on a team. You can't, you know, do all these things. So, you know, even if you're just not quite one of the best or just kind of amongst them, you're still making a very good living. Whereas with swimming, you have to be the actual best to have anything, yeah. <laughs> you know? So there's no real draw for parents to want to encourage their children to stay in a sport that they don't know if they're going to more or less kind of like get a return on their money, you know, which yeah. sounds awful. But, you know, a lot of reasons that's why parents get their kids involved with sports of, okay, you know, yeah, this would be a nice little, you know, thing if they do end up going pro and I can be there to support them and do all these things. But with sitting, it's a lot, lot tougher. And it's a very expensive sport. 
that's one of the reasons why, you know, not many people, um, you know, stick with it or do it because parents, it's a huge burden um, after the swim lessons of getting the gear and the tech suits don't exactly make it easier since they're like, you know, four or $500 a suit that only lasts two or three competitions. Um, whereas just getting a pair of sneakers to run or, you know, soccer cleats and shin guards for soccer, you see? So, yeah, it's, it's a tough sell. It's a really tough sell. But I think you're onto something in terms of making sure that you're making it more of a, if this is a life skill that they should know to stay safe, to keep them safe, you know, provide them with the tools that, you know, they could potentially need should anything happen when they're near water. Yeah, and, and that's and that's what um, that's what Black Can Swim is all about. You know, just trying to encourage people see the benefit of it. Um, exactly. Yeah, and and because I, I and I I always mention um, uh, that incident that happened in Tanzania at the back end of last year when the ferry capsized in Lake Victoria, and okay. I think two hundred people drowned, and it was only fifty meters away from the port. You know, when you think about 50 meters, if your life depends on it, 50 meters is nothing. But if you can't swim, you can't swim, even if it's 10 meters. Yeah, so, everything if you can't swim. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a very, very important, um, um, very, very important subject. And I just hope that, I just hope that people start listening and people start taking it seriously. I, I think this is the beginning of the end of the stereotypes and the stigmas and everything else that goes with it. If you could say anything to your 13-year-old self, what would you say? What would it be? Um, you know, as much as, as proud as I am of my achievements, you know, I always have regrets in terms of, you know, what I could have done to, you know, actually be the best, you know? Like, I was always among the best, but, you know, like, I have, I've won gold medals, but... You know, the huge stages has been, always been silvers and bronze or, you know, in the Olympics, fourth place and ninth place are like, you know, the two worst places you can get. Um, you know, if I could say something to my 13-year-old self, it really would be a matter of, you know, trying to take it a little bit more, not necessarily seriously, but, you know, really push and challenge yourself because, you know, tomorrow's not promised. You know, you're only as good as, you know, your last race. So you might as well put in everything you have in every single race that you have. Um, cause I'm not sure if you knew this, but I've actually had, since after the first Olympics, I had, between the first and the second Olympics, I actually had four surgeries. Oh, I didn't know that. On both, both knees and both shoulders. So, you know, as elated as I was, you know, after my first Olympics, you know, in my, you know, 17-year-old head, I was like, oh, you know, four years time, you know, this is great. You know, I, I built myself a stepping stone because I didn't quite hit the podium this time, but no doubt in four years I'll hit it. And, you know, being hit with four different surgeries really just kind of like threw a whole, you know, <laughs> like monkey wrench into any plan I potentially had. So, you know, looking back at it, it's like, oh, well, did I really give everything I could have? Um, you know, at those games instead of just being so naive thinking, well, I'm still young in four years, I'll be even better. But even even if you had, I mean, there's only so much you could do with, I mean, four surgeries. I mean, physically, you yeah, would, no, have, you, would have been limited. My limited. second Olympics, like, definitely was not as, I guess, kind of 
glorious as my first ones. And that was kind of, you know, my, I knew I was retiring after those games. Um, you know, it wasn't even four years prior. If you ask me, I'm like, oh, I'm going to like four or five more Olympics, no question. Um, but then the real world hits and, you know, reality sinks in. And, you know, the level of motivation that I really needed even after my first Olympics, you know, it really dwindled away, um, you know, because all the things that were happening, you know, in my my life that really just kind of were taking me away from um, being able to be more serious in the sport. And even just thinking about my life, you know, my career, what, what was going to be. What, what I was going to do next um, type of thing, you know, because that was definitely a real thing that you have to worry about in swimming because you know it's not a professional thing where, you know, you can swim for a living. At least back then it wasn't. So that was never a thought really other than just me wanting to continue swimming. So how's your health now? No, my health is good. It, it was good. Um, All of it was more just kind of like sports related. As I had both knees, both shoulders, and then even after my second Olympics, I had surgery on my ankle. Um, from apparently twisting it a long time ago and just not even have a clue. <laughs> a clue. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're still healthy. You know, yeah, there are a little aches and pains, you know, so when people tell me or ask me, like, oh, you're still young, you should get back into it. I'm like, no, this body is so... She <laughs> 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 cast out a long time ago. <laughs> um, so you're, you're, so you're, you're coaching at the moment, I, I believe. I was coaching. Um now I've actually moved into something a little bit different um, and into aquatics directing. So essentially, um, you know, running swim lesson programs. Okay. Um, you know, which, you know, for me, as much as I loved being a coach and teaching um, in the fundamentals of the actual sport, you know, for me, I get more satisfaction of being able to run swim lesson programs where, you know, kids are actually being learned or taught the real fundamentals of not even necessarily competitive swimming, but also having a good foundation of the water and understanding of the water. So, you know, I know that when they go through programs that I'm, you know, in charge of, they're leaving with a really good base of, you know, how to be safe in water. And if they want to go the competitive road, we've also laid the foundation for that as well. Well, they say the 70% of the world is water, so... That's right, definitely. So, so other than that, what have you been up to lately, and what's the plans? Your plans for the future? Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much just kind of you know that staying involved in aquatics, um, not necessarily from the coaching aspect. I think I'm, I even mean, I think I'm a thousand percent certain I'm done with that life. Um, you know, I just feel like I want this is now time for, you know, myself and my family because with coaching, it takes you away from home and, you know, my son, um, you know, I'm not able to give him all the time and dedicate as much, I guess, kind of effort into him as I would like to because I'm always working and traveling and doing all these things. So for me, taking this role, you know, that's a little bit more stationary in an aquatics director role um, really allows me the time to, you know, help him, I just kind of like master his own craft. He's a soccer and a basketball player. So, you know, for me, it's nice to be able to be there at his games and, you know, be there as practices, things that I would have, wouldn't have been able to do had I still been coaching. That's good. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you very, very, very much. And it's, it's been amazing speaking with you. Um, so much for having me. Yeah. And, 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 and keep on doing the great things that you do and um, inspiring the community because you do a lot of that.
So thank you very much. The more they see other people who, you know, share their, you know, background, share their heritage, um, you know, it makes them a little bit more real and more, more possible that they can actually do the same things. Thank you so much, Ed. You can take care. And you too. And we shall speak soon. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.